0: Hiya, this is Cara. We're in the Core Salon. Happy holidays to all of you listening. As a holiday surprise for all of you listeners, you are listening to part two of my mentor-sponsor mashup, a sort of virtual roundtable. If you've already heard part one, then you know what this is about. If you haven't, I would strongly suggest you go back and check out part one, So you get a little bit more of a feel for what we're talking about, because this episode is going to be a little bit more of the how-to and practical advice, and how to fix mentor and sponsor relationships if they've gone a little awry. Part one will also give you the lowdown on how this episode came together and where the idea came from. 2019 is literally days away, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to think about how you can set yourself up for success next year. Mentorship and sponsorship can contribute towards that success. So I invited seven previous Levital Course Salon guests to come chime in on both of these topics In this episode, we are going to hear from a bunch of badass women, including Minda Hartz, Dara Cass, Cara Rhoda, Kelly Lingard, Patty Wilson, Rachel Citron, and Erin Barra, to share their advice about how to really form, nourish, and make a successful mentor or sponsor relationship. I'll let you know a little bit more about each guest as we roll through this episode. All of these women have graciously... Donated their time and shared their experience to help make this a really great episode. So I'd love if you shared this episode with one friend, or a family member, or a coworker, or just whoever you think of that comes to mind as you're listening to this episode. It's that kind of organic sharing that has really helped grow this podcast since 2016. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. I really appreciate your help with this. Because this podcast doesn't have a scrolling intro like Star Wars, let me get you up to speed with where we're at. We're going to hop into a conversation with Minda Hartz, who is the founder of The Memo, is deeply committed to securing seats for women of color and also hosts her own podcast podcast aptly named Secure the Seat. Minda and I are having a conversation where she's sharing some of her experiences around sponsorship and mentorships gone wrong and tossing in some advice so we can learn how to turn it around. I am so glad you're talking about this because I think so many of the points that you're raising are super important. One, that the relationship has to organically happen. Like, I I know I get emails from newbie health coaches that basically reach out and ask me, how did you create your whole business? And how did you get from where you were when you started to where you are right now? And I'm thinking, who the heck are you? I've never (laughs) seen you. I don't see your name on my newsletter. I've never seen you on social media. Like, who the heck are you? And you want, you know, to get on the phone for an hour or so and have me just regale all the hard work I've done in the past nine years to build my practice. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, you have to be, to your point, strategic. It has to be an organic instance. And then also how hard you have to work for it. I think you mentioning that you sort of watch Steve's schedule and got up and just happened to bump into him in the office, you know, on a regular basis like, that was really ingenious of you. And it's good that you recognized, I've got to do something, because this man is not going to just walk over and wave a magic wand above my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, he, we had, you know, hundreds of employees, so, and I could never walk into his office and say, hey, Steve, I need you to sponsor me, man. You know, like, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to happen that way. Uh, to your point, you know, you have to do the work and people have to get to know you before, they can say, "Okay, let me share the sauce with you."
0: And I have to ask, does Steve know that you originally stalked him at the beginning of this relationship?
1: No, he doesn't, and um, <laughs> he, w- he will now. <laughs> he does not, Steve. It was, it was. Um, I, I promise. I really wanted to get to know you. <laughs> but we, but we did have a connection, you know, as we got to know each other, and so it wouldn't have worked if it wasn't mutually beneficial in some way, you know what I'm saying? And I think that I owe a lot to him. And I didn't even know, you know, I could have done everything right, Kara, and still Steve could have ended up not being my sponsor. So I think that's a reality too, you know? Uh, So uh, keep that in mind, you know, people who want to sponsor you will, but they have to also know, have to know you and get to know you. And, And then they make the choice if they want to enter that relationship with you.
0: It makes me think of a conversation. I was lucky enough to be at a conference with all-female air traffic controllers not that long ago. And Dr. Christine Darden was one of the speakers. And for those of you who have never heard that name, she was one of the hidden figures at NASA. Wow. So she, as she puts it, she was... In the book, but not in the movie, because in terms of script writing, they tried to just focus on the hidden figures at NASA that were working on computational math for the space rocket program, as opposed to Dr. Darden, who is working on supersonic design, you know, just just that boring topic over there, (laughs) supersonic jets and how to attenuate a sonic boom and all sorts of cool stuff like that. But it was interesting because when she was sharing her story, she was talking about, and she she talked about four Ps, and I can't remember what all of them were. But the gist of this, and the reason I'm sharing it now, is, you know, she was persevering. She was preparing. She was getting the training that she needed. Um, For a long time, she was taking math and physics and science courses, but as a backup plan, also taking education courses. So if none of that worked out, she could at least be a teacher. She continued to take all of these extra math and science courses many on Friday nights where she would get some of the teachers together and say, "Do you want to come take this math and physics class?" And so she was constantly doing that work for years. When at one point she applied for a job and I I forget if it was NASA or somewhere else, but it was going to be a step up and a change from teaching. And she needed a letter of reference, and she asked her principal that she worked for for the letter of reference, and they said, I'll give you the letter, but I'll take your contract for next year, thank you. And so here she was without a job and ended up talking to the math teacher when she went to class and saying, I'm going to be out of a job if I don't get this one, and that's what ended up happening. The job that she applied for and asked for the letter for just never heard from again. So she was really caught between a rock and a hard place with no job, reached out to this math teacher, and that was how she ended up getting into NASA and into the work that would be groundbreaking work and amazing for the rest of her career. And I mean, she's a woman, I'm not sure how old she is, maybe 60s, maybe 70s. Sorry, Dr. Darden, I hate guessing <laughs> those numbers. But it was fascinating, like, had she not been preparing and putting herself in these relationships. I mean, all that took was a phone call. And she had a job, I think the next day or like within 48 hours. Wow. All because of that teacher. But also, she had been doing the work. So there's this You know, element of preparing and perseverance, but also divine providence, right? That we have to put ourselves in the right place at the right time. Sometimes,
1: that's a great story, and and that's true. I think that you have to do the work. And if I, if in my case, if I wasn't doing the work, then Steve would have been like, "Girl, bye." You know, I can't even work with you. You know, there's nothing here to work with, but. Regardless if the relationship had pounded out the may- way I might have wanted it to or not, I still had to keep doing the work. I still had to keep doing that. And I didn't know what Steve could do. You know, I just knew he was someone I needed to build a relationship with. You know, so I didn't know he would be a sponsor or do anything. I just knew that I wanted him to know that I existed in the work that I'm doing and my interest in growing in the company. And so that was the important key. And I think as you're building these relationships, you know, Be organic, be genuine, be authentic, because people also see through that. Minda, that's a great point. And I want to double down on
0: that and say, when you meet people, not only should you not start from a place of what's in it for me, right, but also releasing yourself from any expectations about what that relationship is going to be. I've found that incredibly valuable, And it's something, it doesn't come easy, especially as a type A planner. I like to be strategic about things. I like to think about what are the repercussions of things in advance. And it can get really easy to kind of squash any organic energy out of a situation. And so releasing yourself from any attachments or expectations of who this person is and what they're going to do for you can really lead to some astounding things and usually really awesome things. I agree. So Minda, one more question before I let you cruise back into your day. Are there any resources or tools that come to mind if women want to explore the topic of mentorship or sponsorship more?
1: That's a great question. And I think for me, uh, I would just say, you know, practice your networking, because I think that a lot of it stems from from that and relationship building. So think about the people in your life in your company, um, you know, clients and how you can just build more authentic relationships with them. And I think going back to what you said, Kara, um, having a mindset, practicing the mindset of I'm going to do this because this is important, not because of what I can gain from it. And I think when you operate in a spirit of just gratitude and authenticity, and not and manage your expectations. Then, if the sponsor comes or the mentor comes, then it comes and it's great. Uh, but it's not something you have to, you know, force. And so, uh, I know that that's not necessarily a resource, but that's a resource inside of ourselves. There's a lot of great books on how to network out there. Oh. Tools of Titans, I don't know if, um, by Tim Ferriss is a really great book and, and he talks about networking and a host of other things about relationship building. But I think it's just something, if you just stay true to relationship building and just get to know people, um, authentically, I think all of these things will fall into line. You'll find your mentors and eventually you'll find someone who will sponsor you. But the one thing I would leave you with is just don't, don't ask anybody to sponsor you. That part has to be organic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it has to be organic. You know, mentorship, you can ask someone to be your mentor. That's a little bit different, although I think that mentors like that to happen organically as well. And so I think, you know, just be true to to yourself and understand that everything doesn't lead to somebody opening the door for you, but what can you gather from that experience is most important.
0: Minda, as always, you know I adore you from... From one little lady to another, thank you.
1: (laughs) Ditto, ditto. Thank you for having me. And um, may we all find good mentors and sponsors. (laughs) Can you
0: tell the listeners about your podcast? I know these are topics that you cover from time to time.
1: Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, Check me out. It's called Secure the Seat. You can find me on Anchor FM and Apple Podcasts. So check us out. We do have some um, episodes about some of this stuff. So thank you, Kara, for the shout out.
0: Minda, who was the guest that you covered networking with?
1: Yes, Felisa Burrell. We talked about networking and how to build relationships for pure growth. I think that's a great episode to, to go back and listen to.
0: Yes, definitely. I loved it. I listened to it twice. I am still getting over a week of travel, so my brain's not quite working, everyone. Forgive me, but do check out that particular episode and several others of Minda's podcast. Rachel Citrin hung with me here in Levital Core Salon for episode 24. Rachel is head of account management at Powerhouse Animation, and she's a music manager at or Not Management in Austin, Texas. Rachel shares how sponsorship and mentorship can go wrong when you're not listening to what feels right. As I see it, anyways, I think mentorship is somewhat of an informal coaching relationship and I feel like for those to be really successful and meaningful like both people have to kind of come together and do a dance and as part of that dance co-creation happens sure right it's not you go do this okay I'll go do this
2: Right. I mean, you still have to be true to yourself. And if someone's telling you to do something that feels really unnatural to you, I mean, sometimes in, in a smaller circumstance, doing something that feels unnatural is probably healthy. I mean, that's something that like my therapist might tell me, you know? (laughs) Um, but on a larger scale, if someone's telling you to like throw everything you know out the window and try this other way, I don't necessarily know if that's um, the most positive approach, and i I think it really just leads to that mentee questioning themselves even more, which you 're never going to be successful if you can 't find some confidence in what it is that you're doing
0: yeah it's really hard to move forward without your feet planted in terra firma, yeah, or as sure. b- as best all of us can, right because yeah, we might be knee deep in terra firma but also struggling with imposter syndrome. Yeah. But I think you get my drift. Totally. Before today, Patty Wilson and I got to connect in episode 31. Patty is the president of Professional Women Controllers, Inc. and the operations manager at Northern California's Terminal Radar Approach Control. Patty offers some wisdom about mentorships gone wrong and the importance
3: of resources. Honestly, there's nothing worse than a mentor who doesn't know what they're doing, who doesn't understand what their role is with somebody you know, it's a professional role that's a friendship, and if you're not being 100% honest with that person and you're mentoring of them, you are failing them. One of the first discussions you've got to have as a mentor is discussing feedback and what does that look like in your relationship. And I think feedback is one of the most difficult things to get. I don't care what industry you're in, to get people <laughs> to tell you the honest truth, it's, it's extremely difficult. So, you know, setting that initial, again, it comes it's an issue of trust as well, but getting that foundation of trust and understanding that says that I'm going to tell you things so that you may not necessarily want to hear, but when we have that discussion, you need to open your mind and be prepared to listen to what I have to say and be able to be thoughtful enough to, even if you don't like what you're hearing, to take that little piece of information Put it in your pocket for later so you can take it back out and look at it again when you're ready. I just think that's the most important thing. And if you're a mentor that's not having that conversation from the get-go, then how does that relationship move forward in a trustful manner?
0: Exactly. Because you need to hear the areas that you need to work on or develop or the gaps that have been identified in order to become a more successful person.
3: Right. And, and that's just it. If that person, again, if that person is not telling them the truth, then the mentee walks away thinking everything is great, and there's nothing to fix. And that's not what the mentor is there for.
0: Yes, a mentor is got responsibilities far beyond just cheerleading. That's part of the job, but it's not all of the job.
3: Exactly, exactly. And that that is kind of where the sponsor comes in a little handy, too, because the sponsor will probably be pushing you a little bit harder than the mentor will. Yeah, they will have a little bit more of a vested interest, right? Right. Because if they're going to be putting their name out there with... I mean, the mentor can kind of hang out in the background, right? But the sponsor is going to be out there on the forefront, on the front line, working for you. And uh, they're going to be the ones who are going to be forcing you to put yourself out there, take a risk, um, don't pass up these opportunities, no no matter how uncomfortable they are. And yeah, I mean, you just have to just that person should be pushing you, pushing you, pushing you to, get, to put yourself out there more and more and take a risk. Um, I would also say that between your, your sponsor and your mentor, uh, you should be developing resources with, through both of them. And that, to me, is definitely means you are increasing your network. And again, this is for a lot of people, it's forcing them outside of their comfort zone to say, just because this person is two levels above me, that doesn't mean I can't talk to them. Um, like we were discussing earlier, it's like the random instances of where you meet people. Well, if you're not willing to go out and talk to people and build that network, then how are you going to be able to increase your resources? So all those people you meet is a future resource for you to tap into somewhere in the future. And I think that's that's a big thing. It's like just starting a conversation can be very difficult for somebody that if they don't know them. And you you can't be afraid of that. I mean, if there's a resource that's available to you, don't be afraid to go up and talk to them. And just keep increasing that network. Cara Rhoda made her way to
0: LeVital Core Salon for episode 23. Now she's the senior editor at St. Martin Press, a book publisher in New York City. Poorship and sponsorship
4: gone wrong. Spoiler alert, interns are not slave labor. You know, we've all worked in industries where there's a lot of unpaid internships or there's a lot of labor asked for that's not a part of your job description but is considered, you know, quote-unquote experience or exposure. And I think it's really important to be careful about that, especially when we're on the side of having the opportunity to mentor and sponsor people. I think it's really important to Interrogate yourself as a manager about whether what you're asking someone to do is really valuable for them, um, and in what ways, and and talk about it. Really have you know an open line of communication. I think if you're you know in a position with a manager or a mentor where it's really just about kind of them giving you some work and not necessarily crediting you publicly for it, how useful is that going to be in the long run? Once you've impressed that person that is having you do the work, are other people, you know, getting to hear how impressed they are? Are they going to meetings with their boss and talking you up? So I think it's really, you know, there's a fine line between giving someone really valuable experience and taking advantage of, someone's work ethic and talent. And I think we have to be really honest with ourselves about that.
0: And I'm glad you brought this up because it's something that's so prevalent, especially in creative industries.
4: Yeah, I think that's true. I think, you know, there is really this tendency in jobs that we consider, quote unquote, dream jobs, whether they are you know writing jobs or tech jobs or publishing jobs or media jobs that someone should feel grateful to be there and I just believe strongly that you should love your job but you should never feel grateful to be in a room not being paid for your time when other people in the room are you know I think that unpaid internships make it really impossible for people from a range of socioeconomic backgrounds to break into certain industries and that's really harmful in the long run for everyone
0: Kelly Linkard hung out with me during episode 30 here in LeVital Core Salon. Kelly is the founder and CEO of Unshattered. It's a social enterprise partner of a woman's addiction recovery program. Kelly shares how you can recover from a mentorship
5: or sponsorship situation gone bad. You know, at the levels of a business that require having a sponsor, that's really exactly what's happening. And I think a little bit of is luck of the draw that you you hope that you're in the right place at the right time and you hope that you sort of naturally fell into organizations and relationships with the people that are going to be successful for the long term ahead of you. Uh, And sometimes that doesn't happen. So, I I mean, I guess the advice is when the bottom drops out, it's not the end. Uh, It can be difficult, but doing exactly the same thing that you did to attract that initial sponsor's attention goes a long way. I think naming it, you know, to go to other people and name out loud, gosh, that person was my sponsor and I have a gap right now. Who can help me fill this at the higher levels and make sure that I'm not viewed as going down with the ship and knowing that it wasn't about you. If if there is a stall for that reason, not losing the confidence that it's, you know, It may not have been you that's stalling at this stage. It may be that you need a little lateral navigation to, to get back on track just because of the circumstances.
0: What did you see the people that lost their sponsor do to recalibrate?
5: I have seen people thrash because they panicked and they tried to fill that person's shoes before they were ready to. That doesn't work. Uh, I have seen people be resigned and feel like the game was over. The ones I have seen succeed have been the ones that were humble that could back up a little bit and do the hard work to get back on their feet and to continue to build their reputation, um, that attracted, I I mean, I really think that's the best position you can be in, in your career in a sense is, For somebody to see you continuing to do well and working with integrity and not panicking when the chips are down, those are the kind of people that that leaders do want to have on their team. And so in a sense, it can be the worst thing that happened to you, but after not too long, it it can become the best thing that has happened to you. Great perspective. Great information. Yeah. I think sometimes too is don't be too dependent on one person making sure that you've hedged your bets a little bit and that you have people in multiple organizations or multiple chains of command that, you know, can help you navigate left and right when you need to and not just straight up. That might be a fast track straight up, but it's not a guaranteed one and I've, I've watched many people sort of miss the next level because they only had one path and it didn't work out.
0: Erin Barra dropped by Le Vital Core Salon for episode 20. She's an associate professor in the songwriting department at Boston's Berkeley College of Music. She's one of the leading product specialists for Berlin-based music software company Ableton. Also, she's the creator of Beats by Girls.
6: Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about how powerful the idea of being a sponsor actually is. I think at different places in our career we we define success differently and sometimes it's like reaching a goal or having a certain comfort level in our lives or a title right and for me once I've as I've progressed through my career and I find myself in a position where I can help other people sometimes the idea is it's a, it's, it's like almost threatening because this industry it's like a a carousel ride. It's this like centripetal force, right? That is just pushing everyone, <laughs> mashing back. you to the wall. <laughs> yes. And everyone's trying to just pull themselves in and in. And like, if you extend a hand to help another person up, you know, that are you losing your grip in some respects, because there's only so much space in the, in the middle, or that's the perception of it. But through helping other women and in, in tangible ways that they can point, point to and say, um, this person did this for me. I found that it actually has made me even more powerful because the person that makes connections for other people, that's the person that everybody wants to know. you know so I just I encourage other people to to help other people um, and that through that action, you actually become a very powerful person in whatever industry it is that you're in.
0: Sarah Cass was my guest in La Vital Core Salon, episode number 34. She's the founder of Feminem and a doctor at NYU Langone Medical Center in New York City. She shares how women can fall flat on mentorship and sponsorship.
7: The difference is that you don't have to sponsor everyone you mentor, and you don't have to mentor everyone you sponsor. And that's where women in general fall flat, I think. How so? Is that we... Are really, really, really um, invested in the relationships we have in general, and I think that we are—we see our mentees and we want to give them every opportunity that comes across the board. But they may not always be right for that opportunity, right? Yes, that is and very. So, so there's a matching process there, and there's an acknowledgement that just because somebody's great in your eyes doesn't mean they're going to be great in everyone's eyes, right? Yes. Um, and so I think that not always both mentoring and sponsoring everybody that you have in in your relationship, in your world um, is important. Um, And like, for example, and I'll give you like, so I had a call today with a woman who wants to do, she has a website and she wants to build it into a business, right? Very similar to what I did in Feminine. Uh, And I, it was a mentorship call, right? I was giving her advice on what to do and kind of feeding back on what she had done. If I was going to sponsor her as well, I would then call like potential vendors for her website or advertisers and connect them. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. If I would help her build like relationships with like the accountants, and I would help with her spreadsheets. Or I would even connect her with like platforms that would amplify her website. I'm not going to do that, right? That's it's just that's that's a that's not the relationship that we are having, but it it isn't natural right now, right? So that's kind of where the disconnect comes in, I think.
0: Here's a little more from Kelly Lingard about how you may not recognize your actual mentors until later.
5: You know, not everybody has to be your mentor and you can have very influential conversations with people without asking them to be your mentor. And so it doesn't always have to be named as such. You know, people want to be liked, people want to be respected for their work and their intelligence. We all have something to learn from everybody and I'm not sure that I knew at the time, that the people who turned out to be my best mentors, I don't think I knew that they were my mentors at the time. Uh, There was just some natural sort of affinity and admiration that I knew I wanted to be around them. But I look, you know, years down the road, I look back, and I realize just how much influence they had on me. Um, And what, I almost want to say what it cost them, I don't think that's the right language, but either how intentional they were being, or um, how much effort they put into me, uh, that when I hit those levels myself, I thought, oh man, I didn't even recognize how important it was for them to be in my life. Um, or how choosy they were being about the people that they were spending time with. But I, I, I found that I really, really appreciated those people later on when I didn't even know how much influence they were having early on.
0: So it sounds like it was naturally happening and things were getting woven together and this exchange existed. And what I'm hearing is you didn't see it until the end.
5: Yeah. You know, I'll tell you a story of somebody I did not think of as a mentor at the time. In retrospect, I would. It was someone who was um, a boss at the time whom I thought did not like me. (laughs) And... I had the chance to move to another organization and take a promotion. They had offered me the job and it was up to my boss whether she was going to release me to move to that other organization. And I had moved up quickly and this was going to be another quick move up and she was going to block it. And I was not very happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) The understatement of the century. Yeah. Uh, And I remember her saying to me, don't you want to have something on your resume? Something? And I was like, oh, who are you? Look at my, I have more on my resume than you have. Look at what I've accomplished, blah, blah, blah. But what she was saying is you haven't spent enough time in any one job to have really conquered all of the problems and learned all of the things. Like you've moved so quickly that nobody can really see how your work turned out. Cause you really weren't there long enough to have a significant influence. So it, you know, she said it feels like you're slowing down, but if you stay and you manage this project all the way through the end, you're actually going to move up quicker. I think if you move laterally, you will be stuck. And she was absolutely right in the moment. Furious. (laughs) thought She hated me. Was so mad at her. Thought she was jealous. Blah, blah, blah. Um, But years later, I look back and I'm so grateful for her being brave enough to say those things to me um, and being brave enough to stand in my way that I was way better off, way better off. And she knew better and I didn't.
0: Wow. So it sounds like you've come to peace with this move. Yes. When did you realize that?
5: Um, It was a long time later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I
5: appreciate your honesty. It was a long time later. I was real mad for a long time. Um, But now again, I look back as a mentor and every time I see her, I say, thank you. Thank you for saying no to that because you were absolutely right. I would have been, I'd have been stuck forever.
0: I am so glad you got the lesson in that. And I am so glad you shared that because I think that's a really tangible example of how
5: complex these relationships can be.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess
5: I'll just add to that, that like, you don't want the mentors in your life to be the people that tell you how amazing you are. If you're talented. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. If you're talented and you're the kind of person that people will say yes to mentoring, you don't need to build a cheerleading squad. You need to build a squad of people who will tell you when to stop, stand down and straighten up. Those people are hard to come by and are more valuable than anything Because the people that are going to cheer you on really are a dime a dozen. And it's it's good. It feels really good. It's not particularly helpful. So if you're looking for mentors, don't pick the ones that just pat you on the head and tell you how amazing you are and affirm every move you make. Pick the ones who make you look at the hard stuff that you need to change that's going to make you better in the long run.
0: Here's a bit more from Kara Rhoda talking about how mentors often appear in unexpected places.
4: I think one thing that's really helpful to remember is that mentorship and sponsorship can come from outside your industry. Um, the best mentor for you is not necessarily going to be a person who has the job that you think you want. It might be a person who does a different job but does it in a way that you aspire to. Um, you know, you might really... Like how one person communicates through email and you might want to learn from that, but you might kind of want to talk to someone else about how to do spreadsheets and budgets. So I think, you know, being able to source different tools and skills from different people. And I think in the long run, because so many of us end up with sort of a roundabout journey through our careers and perhaps end up in Jobs that we didn't necessarily expect we would in the beginning when we graduated from college or started um, in a particular industry. So just kind of being open minded about how your paths might cross with people again over time. Um, you know, if you connect with something about someone's work or you just like them even if it's not clear how you might be able to work together at that moment, just kind of maintaining that relationship and and checking in and being open to the possibility that down the line you may have a way to help them or they may have a way to help you that isn't immediately obvious but can be born out of that relationship.
0: I think this is important and it makes me think of two things. What you're talking about is playing a longer game. I think sometimes with mentorship not so much sponsorship, but definitely mentorship, people really like to transact business really quick, right? And when I, you know, quote unquote business, and sometimes it feels really rushed. And I always think of it like dating, right? Like, are you trying to make out with me in like the first two minutes of like sitting down to coffee? Yeah,
4: no, I think that's right. And it can also be, you know, there are some companies that have very formal mentorship programs. There are some companies who have absolutely nothing like that at all. You know, mentorship can be everything from my relationship with my girls right now mentee who's a teenager and we talk about writing but we talk about a lot of other life stuff too or a mentorship might be me sitting down with um you know more experienced editor and hearing about what they've been doing lately i think it can take a lot of forms and i think you're right it is about playing the long game and it is about building relationships but i think one thing that i keep coming back to in my career is is just as important and it's just as valuable for me to be a mentor and a sponsor as it is for me to get that from other people. And some of those relationships where, you know, someone's asked me to coffee in the hopes that they can pick my brain about something have actually turned into situations where they have something really valuable to share with me. So I think it's a lot of just being open about, you know, allowing yourself to spend time with people who you like and respect and, I think if you come from that genuine place and you, you know, really have that genuine connection with someone, that's so much more valuable than, like you say, the kind of speed dating, you know, (laughs) get me a job kind of conversation.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, that is so important. And the second thing it made me think of is a conversation I had on the podcast with Dr. Barbara Oakley, and she created the world's largest MOOC, massive online open course around learning how to learn. And she is someone who, I think her Twitter bio is a female Indiana Jones. She literally has had so many, like, wild twists and turns. And her work in studying how we learn and also sort of creativity and innovation I think your point about having mentors in cross disciplines is really important. And that was something she had kind of dug into and really talked about how those kinds of relationships are often what can fuel innovation. So like when people move across industries, like obviously there's a spark of innovation there, but maybe you don't even have to make that move across an industry if you have someone with a very different perspective or point of view. On your industry from the outside.
4: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's also, you know, really helpful to break out of the sort of tunnel vision of of what everyone around you in your office is thinking about and talking about and seeing. It can be really valuable to break outside of that and, you know, go have lunch with someone who's really on the other side of things or thinking about things in a completely different way with different priorities. And being able to bring that back is really valuable for the way that you do your job. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, as I've jumped around and I've gone sort of from magazines to tech to trade publishing, a lot of the people that I've met have really unique jobs and, and really jobs that they've created for themselves, you know, whether it was in sort of the niche of food technology or in the niche of, you know, independent digital publishing. And I feel like a lot of those people have insights and experiences that have been really useful for me to bring to a more traditional trade publishing environment.
0: Here's a little more advice from Rachel Citron. So what I'm hearing then for advice for women listening is consider the source. Like take in the advice, but make sure you're critically thinking about it at the same time.
2: Yeah, or get a second opinion, too. If you're like, I trust this person and I respect them, but I feel like what they're telling me is leading me down a path I'm not comfortable with. Um, You know, you don't have to just blindly take that advice. I think everyone knows more than one person that's a good influence in their life or that they've seen be successful. And I think everyone, I mean, kind of the purpose of this conversation and the other conversations you're going to be having With women on this topic, is that we all have come to this from a different place. And so, what works for someone else might not be what works for you. And that's perfectly fine. So, I think part of it is just listen to yourself and see if you are being mentored and it's making you feel like you're questioning yourself more or you're feeling less comfortable with your position instead of more, then maybe that's not the mentor situation that you need to be in. Maybe I should be putting myself out there more in that mentor perspective for some other people that I know. And maybe I haven't been sort of attuned to those needs because I've been so focused on just trying to keep my head above water to some degree, which I think a a lot of people who listen to this podcast can probably understand that feeling of being you know, a little bit overworked and a little bit frazzled and just trying to, um, keep all your ducks in a row and kind of having a little bit of tunnel vision. And even though, you know, I might be part of these collectives with other women that mostly started out of a a social interaction where we were hanging out together and then realizing, oh, we may all be able to help each other. But what I want to take away from this is to, try and look around for women that I know who maybe could use a little bit of guidance that maybe I wasn't noticing or recognizing and see if I can make some time. Um, not that I'm necessarily, you know, the expert by any means, but, um, I have been doing this for a long time and I want to make sure that I'm kind of spreading what I've learned around, especially, in these industries where women are still kind of few and far between. Here's a
0: bit more from Dara talking about the importance of knowing who you are to being a mentor or a sponsor.
7: So I think in order to find a good mentor and and a sponsor, and certainly to be a good mentor, you must identify who you are, right? It is not your mentor's job to tell you what's important to you, Right. And so the, the best first step is to figure out what makes you happy, to figure out where you want to go with your life or your career, to figure out, you know, what makes you excited? What do you look forward to doing? Um, and once you've identified that, then you can look around for people that are doing it and doing it well, but without knowing who you are, it's really hard to help find somebody to help you be that person. Powerful advice.
0: But it's true. I mean, I think to go to a mentor and sort of plunk yourself down in front of them and say, who am I? What do you think I want? What should I want? That work should be on you.
7: And that's what I said this morning, actually, to this girl that I was talking to. was like, She was like, I need to figure I'm like, well, what do you want from the website? What do you want from the business? And she kind of didn't have that answer. And so I was like, until you know that, I can't get you where you need to be because mentorship is very outcomes-based, even if it's not just like task-based. It's about getting somebody to a place that you you see them going. And if they don't know, you can't help them. Here's a
0: little more from Patty Wilson on how mentorship and sponsorship is a two-way street.
3: I think literally it's like between the book, Lean In, because I love that book. That's what we need to get all women to do is lean in and stop waiting for an invitation. Too often we sit back and wait to be invited and you know, like you said earlier, it's like if that sponsor is willing to pull out the chair to get you a seat at the table. Put your rump in it. (laughs) Yeah, sit, sit, because you don't have a voice if you don't have a seat at the table. You're passing up an opportunity to increase your circle of influence. One of the things
0: I hear from women privately a lot is they often don't want to be viewed as an imposition. You know, that they see some of those
3: asks I mean, have you, have you
0: ever bumped up against
3: that? No. I think in a way we need to start, t- instead of asking, we need to start telling. Because one of the things that I've learned to do is instead of sitting back, again, instead of sitting back and waiting to be asked, find what you're interested in, find what it is, and just kind of force your way into the conversation. Make yourself a part of that group. Next thing you know, you might be leading that group. And that is kind of something that happened to me. Um, I wasn't specifically assigned anything. And I started listening to what was going on around me. And I just started participating in the conversations I found of interest. And you almost force your way into the group, but not, you're not bulldozing your way into the group, but, (laughs) but all of a sudden you're there and you're, you're having your voice at, you know, at, at the table. And it worked really well because it was stuff that I was interested in too. So it was a win-win.
0: And I'm guessing, because I've seen you in action a little bit, that it was, you are a bundle of energy. So what I'm picturing, when you're saying sort of force your way into the conversation is you're listening, and you're like, wait a minute, I can do that, and kind of like hopping into it.
3: Yeah, uh, it was funny, somebody described me as I kind of bounce into the room, and then bounce out. (laughs) That is a true story. (laughs) And I thought that was really funny. But uh, yeah, it's like I do try to take that energy with me into everything I do. And, uh, you know, bring, don't be afraid to show your passion about something, you know, if it's something that you want to get involved in. So leave a presence. Let them know you were there. Yes.
0: Any other advice?
3: Actually, so I I think I told you this in an email, but um, one of the things that I gave my board of directors one year for Christmas is the book called Forget a Mentor, Find a Sponsor, The New Way to Fast-Track Your Career. And I got some feedback from some of the the board that they thought that was really interesting. Because again, like we said, we don't really talk about sponsorship. We always talk about mentoring. So I think the power of this is uh, pretty amazing.
0: And that's why I'm making this conversation and inviting women across different industries to join me in this. Because I think... How was I 40 years old when I was just finding out about this? Like, how have I sort of missed that, even when it was in front of me?
3: Well, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it's interesting to see how men tend to sponsor each other and how women sponsor each other. And sometimes I think we don't sponsor each other because we haven't learned quite yet how to support each other in the workplace. And I'm sure that's going to raise a lot of eyebrows if you use this. But one of the things I spoke about at one of my conferences was, are you the crab in the bucket? Are you the ants building a bridge? Because if you put two crabs in a bucket, they will never get out of that bucket because they constantly pull each other back in. But if women learn to be the ants building the bridge and supporting each other, that's where we'll find success. And often in the workforce or even in the volunteer organizations, sometimes it feels like we're in competition with each other instead of supporting each other. And that is an obstacle, I think, that we really have to get past. I think it's an unconscious bias for a lot of people. And, you know, there's that saying that uh, we all have a lot of baggage. Are you checking it in the cargo hold? Are you bringing it on as (laughs) carry-on? You know, because if if your baggage is your carry-on, you got to figure that out and address that.
0: Yes. I mean, everyone needs to be developing themselves. Like, you can't sit back and say, well, I need a mentor, or I just can't succeed, or I need a sponsor, or I can't succeed. Like, everyone collectively has to be working, and the onus is on you to really be starting to cultivate
3: those relationships, right? Right. And it's interesting. I think that if you take that responsibility for your own actions to acknowledge the fact that the unconscious bias, uh, the baggage that we carry around with us, all those things influence us and try to be self-aware, I think you will find that the mentor and the sponsor will actually show up. It's just a matter of time. Yes, because you're doing the work. Right. Right. Because your actions speak louder than words, and that's what we see. We see a lot of lip service, but am I seeing the action that goes with it?
0: And the people that you want to sponsor are the people that are just getting the work done, not talking about, look at me doing the work.
3: Correct. Oh, absolutely. Here's a bit
0: more from Erin Barra about other advice she has for those looking for a mentor or a sponsor.
6: I mean, I have like a, a personal ethos that I subscribe to in terms of just networking in general that i think is kind of the gateway to all professional relationships not necessarily just mentorship sponsorship but you know collaborators or any of those things and you know that's when you meet somebody that is is someone that you want to be associated with or learn from or collaborate with that the fastest way from point a to point b in that respect is to form of a friendship with that person. So what I do is when I meet that person, I just ask them about themselves. I don't ask them about their career. You know, I you know, do you have kids? Where are you from? Oh, that's so cool. My mom's from Cleveland too. You know, just having <laughs> these, these sort of personal connections where you can say, I'm getting to know you a little bit. Right. And then I think just organically from there, you know, eventually someone starts talking about what it is they do. And I think that a lot of times people that are in positions to help you often are bombarded by people talking about what they want them to do. Like, oh, I'm I'm this recording artist. I'd, I'd really love to send you my music. Like the opposite saying, you know, what is it about it that you do that you love? How did you know how long have you been there? Oh, that's so cool. You know, giving the other person an opportunity to, a, talk about themselves and and feel at ease, and then, the conversation always in the end, if they if you haven't a, a a good enough rapport, it will come around and they'll say, so what do you do? You know, <laughs> and it's the perfect opportunity. Like it presents itself then for you to talk about yourself and what it is you're trying to do, and you know, once that door does open, I think it's really important that you stay true to yourself. So not trying to be bombastic or, you know, exaggerating your worth, just saying, you know, hey, I just moved to LA and I'm just trying to, you know, find my people and make music. And, you know, then that person says, you know what, I'm going to connect you with so and so over here, because that's what they're trying to do too. And and you should really meet them. You know, so within the span of a five or 10 minute conversation, I think you can find a mentor, you can find a sponsor or a collaborator, whatever it is, as long as you are coming at it with the right intentions and without like stinking of desperation and through trying to make real connections with people.
0: Yes, to so much of that. And I'm going to make an assumption here so you can hand it back to me if I'm not correct in this assumption. But as I've experienced it, that rapport that you can create with people, that might not happen even within one conversation. I think sometimes when people are networking, it's so fast, right? It's like this like speedy kind of like networking and relationship building, but it you might go to an event and talk to someone and get a sense of who they are, and you might run out of time, and they may not come back to you, but the next time they see you, or they may reach out after, that rapport is going to be built organically, and it might not happen all at once. I feel like sometimes where I see it go wrong for people is you know, that stinking of desperation that you're talking about, or just, I'm at a networking event, I should come away with something from this event. I'm going to force it to happen inorganically just to kind of check off the box, so to speak. Whereas rapport oh, yeah. is more of a chemistry.
6: I was just having this conversation with my husband because he's trying to break into a new side of the fitness industry. So he's been going to a lot of these, you know, a lot of these networking events and he comes home frustrated sometimes because. You know, he'll say, well, I I tried to talk to the panelist person, and I gave them my information, and, you know, I always, I always write to them and ask them if they'll have, if I can buy them coffee, and they never get back to me, you know, and he kind of hangs his head sullen, and I say, well, you know, it's not going to happen the first time, like, get that FaceTime, make that eye contact, and then why don't you find out what else it is they're doing, and like, go to an event that they're hosting and support their work, and then I, I bet you have another conversation and it leads somewhere. So you you do have to, I mean, it has to be mutually beneficial also. You yes. know, this So, you know, if you support somebody, I think that that sends a really strong message that you're not only in it for yourself. Yes.
0: Because those panelists, if they're on another panel, the last thing they want to be doing is speaking to an empty room. And you yeah. taking up space <laughs> in that room and them seeing your face two or three times showing up for them, connecting with them,
6: powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that probably doesn't get talked about enough.
0: Hey, it's Cara again. I really hope you dug this experiment of an episode, this mentor-sponsor mashup roundtable. What did you think of it? Email me at info at com, or you can also tweet or send me a Facebook message. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me in all three places as at VitalCore, V-I-T-A-L-C-O-R-P-S. And again, if you dug it, don't forget to share it. Even one other human helps them learn and this podcast grow. This quilt of a conversation was such a blast to stitch together, and I have so many people to thank for this episode. Huge thanks to Minda Hearts for inspiring the idea of this episode. Just doing her thing so professionally when I saw her speak in Austin and really graciously helping and allowing me to, to take this thread that she started of a conversation and run with it. I want to thank all of my contributors to the round table, Dara, Aaron, Kara, Kelly, Patty, Rachel, This episode is so full and so robust because all of you were willing to share your experiences when mentorship was done well and when it didn't go quite so well. And the same thing for sponsorship. You are all amazing women. You impact me for the better. And I know you have impacted my tribe of listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you to my husband and producer, Craig Snyder. This episode was no joke. I believe that when I turned over all of the raw footage from all the contributors, there was well over six hours of conversation. I think my head would have exploded trying to pull all of these pieces together, but Craig did an amazing job. Please, if you see him on social media, you can find him all sorts of places, If you're on Twitter, give Craig B. Snyder a big virtual high five. Thank you to Darlene Victoria for doing double time around the holidays and helping all of the little moving pieces of this show come together. Thanks to Rishi Deer from Elephant Stone, Mean, and his new project, Acid House Ragas. He's got a brand new single out. Stream his awesome brand of rock and roll. Thanks to the High Dials for performing my theme song. They have a new EP out too, so don't forget to check that out. Dig in. And last but not least, thank you to you for listening to this podcast, for sharing it, for coming back episode after episode. I'm raising a giant glass of coconut eggnog to all of you. I hope your new year is filled with health, and happiness and love and creativity and all things wonderful and a side of resilience and grit for those moments that don't go as we planned. So I'm signing off for another year and reminding you, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let bullshit or burnout stop you today, this week, or in the new year. See you in 2019.